cetera, expect of the people to be really efficient. It's not likely, otherwise we'd all be able to dev after a two-week course. Well, anything you turn your hand to would only take two weeks and you'd be awesome at it and you'd be done. Those woodworking courses that you've uh, smashed now, wooden spoons? Yeah, loads of wooden spoons. I'm sat next to one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Hello, welcome to Cloud Unplugged. I'm John Shanks. And I'm Jake Shaw. We're going to be talking about how, as a platform engineer, would you do developer self-service with technologies that are in the industry already yeah and what's the engineering effort you might have to do as a cloud platform engineering team to work out how to bring self-service to life so we probably want to caveat just in case people haven't listened to the other episodes on what we mean by self-service so just to recap developers don't have to wait for anything there's a predefined set of commoditized stuff that they can get that like, they can just get like a catalog databases of things. or yeah. like storage or whatever else yeah. where to run their workloads yeah. potentially patterns for those things of how they deploy their apps and mm-hmm. things like that so like a, a kind of traditional platform none of this is new there were platforms like that historically but i think since the technologies have changed people have aligned now to newer tech so like obviously kubernetes and containers and things like that that's probably caused a bit of a change on needing those platforms still but wanting to change the technologies that drive them under the hood so the question is knowing the technologies out there as they are obviously kubernetes doesn't have an opinion of self-service it's about running containers and apps the cloud doesn't really have an opinion massively other than cloud formation there's an assumption that whoever's doing that knows how to configure the settings for each cloud service against their api if you're going to do it programmatically you wouldn't want people to go into the cloud accounts necessarily and just kind of do whatever they wanted because they wouldn't know how to configure those things properly. So say you needed just things... Just to offset risk, basically. You wouldn't do it because they might screw something up and there'll be a you know data leak or you know reputational damage or something There's like that. definitely that, which yeah. is obviously the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. I think second to that is there's probably some, in most businesses there'll be some architectural patterns like transit gateways and how do I hook into the networking and what are the DNS things and how does it get exposed and how do I get certificates? So there's a bunch of operational stuff that might not be in the wheelhouse of developers to know about. So yeah, you could click around, but you might not get a working outcome necessarily, even if you were to click on a partial working outcome, maybe. It's not really the best use of that developer's time, right? Yeah. So really all you're trying to do is make sure that the people that know those functions are the ones that are making it easier for the developers who know how to code to do their jobs. So stay in your lane type thing. Wow, Jay. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so make sure that, you know, you're, you're kind of like just doing the things that you know how to do really well and execute on those on that. And if you're someone that knows networking and platforms and stuff like that, do that really well, deliver a service to someone else and yeah. do the rest of their thing really well. Yeah, exactly. So if we frame it under that lens of playing to people's strengths, you don't want to be putting everyone on Amazon courses or Google courses or Microsoft courses, right, to go and learn the cloud and then try and upskill your entire developers to like a certain level. It's funny, you say these things like going off and learning the cloud vendors and, you know, doing the certificates and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't actually teach you how to do it well. 
No. Really, it just tells you, what, tells it you what the technology is and yeah. maybe how to use it. It doesn't say this is how you scale that to your business. It doesn't say, you know, you string all of these things together, Git and CI/CD, and you know the tools that you might use in your pipeline to get an outcome that's then easily to easy to maintain and mm. support and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because it's a sliding scale. Like experience counts for something. Mm. The same way as being a good dev would take experience, right? To yeah. learn all of the nuances and learn the language really well and how to do it properly and testing and iterating, all those things are still a discipline. Yeah. So to expect other people to be really efficient. Just get it after a two three yeah, day course. It's not <laughs> likely, otherwise we'd all be able to dev after a two week course, right? And be really good developers as much or is that why anything. you Okay <laughs> <laughs> Well anything you turn your hand to, we'd only yeah. take two weeks and you'd be awesome at it and you'd be done. Those woodworking courses that yeah, you've uh, smashed now. What really, wooden spoons? Really, yeah, loads yeah, of really wooden good. spoons. <laughs> I'm sat next to one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was too easy. Anyway, <laughs> if we're looking at then how to do it, because if you were to go into a team now and knowing the, the landscape of all the technologies and what there is, how do you take something that, you know, because the industry, a lot of the open source tech necessarily isn't self-service paradigmed, but we, there's a lot of different techs. Should we talk about what, what people did say eight, nine years ago, and then, and then how that's developed. Well, well, I think it's, it's important, right? Because the way that you, the paradigm of self-service has changed. So like back in the day, I think people would like say, you can put a request in and get a Linux box or something like that. And that's, that's your self-service. Mm. Like you can self-serve by using a ticket to get a really not outcome driven thing. And that not outcome-driven thing might well, that be... That was self-service, though, under our... I know. Ex- we just said, yeah. Well... Because you don't have to wait. It's kind of... There's it, no wait time. True, you can, true. You can consume. It's commoditized, and you can go and get it, but without but people, the risk of also going to the account to do it. So the next level of that, I think, is then, like, where it met cloud. So people maybe did that 10, 12 years ago with a request into a team, like Linux team or a Windows team or something like that, and then they would get a box that they could access. And then a few years later, and they'd wrap that thing with Jenkins or, or, mm. or something where it's like, oh, I've got some manual stuff that I have to do, but I'm just going to automate it so you don't have to put a t- ticket in. And now you can, instead of requesting a ticket, you just go to some Jenkins front end and like click a button, put your thing in or whatever, and, and then you get a Linux machine or a Windows machine or whatever that you can access. And that was like self-service because you're not really waiting for a thing. You're just, Mm. but it's not really attached to any sort of value. And it doesn't, it obfuscates a bunch of like stuff done by other people to really make that a thing. Like someone has to go in and, you know, maintain the scripts that it will take them to one, build whatever it is that they're doing, like getting the operating system, the storage, the networking, all of that configured in a potentially private cloud scenario and then fast forward a few more years and cloud now exists and you could get that same outcome so a linux box let's say and you have like vpcs and networking and all of that stuff that's now defined as a template as code or or whatever so the way that you're self-serving and the operational overhead 
is smaller because you don't have to write scripts. You've just got to write configuration, right? That's kind of changed. And now it's even easier because the configuration that you have to write is even smaller. Now it's like you, I can have a you know, Docker image that has Linux in it or a Docker image that has Windows in it, a Windows Server or whatever, and just point it at a cluster to run, right? So I don't even have to, the, the configuration that I have to now maintain as a person creating self-service isn't all of the operating system, the networking, all of those things, because it's that's already taken care of somewhere else. The way to provide self-service, if you're that team that's trying to provide it, is easier in one aspect because it's less to maintain, but it's hard because you have to make the experience really good yeah. and you have to think about the outcome rather than what they're self-serving. Yeah, I think I, I, think I know what you mean. So yeah. now you're saying like containers have simplified things. They don't have Windows Server in them though, by the way. They're just going to be like, obviously, it's just going to be, could be scratch image. It's just... Windows Server Core, yeah. Yeah, it Exists, could be just yeah. a scratch image of yeah, yeah. barely anything in the yeah, container. Totally. Right? Could, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what you yeah, want in, yeah. really. Like, of course. The yes. libraries of just the bare bones of what you need, not... That's how to do it well. Yeah, um, yeah but not I'm saying promote with... Doing, unless you basically not taking advantage of it. Of containers, I thought, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I was like saying the same the equivalent outcome over time, right? So Oh, I see. You mean yeah. the journey that we went on. Yes. Sorry, now. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But then, so you're saying that there's now containers and that's simplified a lot, but I'm still confused with the self-service. So you still have machines, VMs, like workloads are a thing. CPU's going to be a thing needed, <laughs> right? So yeah. processes, apps are all processes in the end. So they're going to need processing power to run them. Yeah. Something has to get them there. And those applications have to be done and delivered in a way that makes sense. And we've already spoken about well-architected frameworks and all these other opinions that the cloud has on certain levels of enterprise. So it's not just that the technology of that bit is the end, as in like Easy, just use containers yeah. and you're done. No, of course not, yeah. So I'm saying how do you do self-service though? Even if you've got containers, that doesn't mean you now have self-service. Or no. just because a dev has got containers doesn't mean that you're now self-service, you don't need to do anything. Well, it's like partial they might be able to self-serve a part of their workload which is where a lot of organizations probably stop like they give someone access to a multi-tenanted kubernetes cluster or something like that and there's like oh yeah we do self-service you can go and get some compute and some storage and things like that i see yeah i suppose but then there's that's not like this possibility of the container which means the developer can use their own machine yeah right that's about right so you can like iterate and the type of technology that gets deployed is consistent even locally whereas mm -hmm. before that's a change because you wouldn't have ever had a you know you've had to do all the vagrant stuff we'd have yeah. to like mimic out what yeah, it was yeah. going to be in you know in the real world outside of dev so at least you got that but then what you're saying is people might just say self-service means to developers i've got a kubernetes cluster that i've just created and everyone's going to share it yeah. And if you can deploy your app in it with a deployment file, that's self-service. I, I think there's, because it's self-service, What bit to is... some people can be such an ambiguous term. Some of the, you know, people in the industry might have defined that as self, like having Kubernetes is, is self-service. 
now that you have Kubernetes as self-service. Obviously, we don't think that's true, right? Because the developer isn't able to self-serve for all of the bits that they might need that there are patterns for yeah. in that organization. And that's what we're, that's like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's be wait time. Exactly. Right? And even to get access to the Kubernetes, presumably with wait time. Potentially, yeah, exactly. It's not like. Someone has to. Tick a box or, yeah. you know, give you access or, or put you into the right group, whatever. And then environments, I'm presuming there'd be wait time. Yeah. Namespaces. Are you giving people the ability to create namespaces in that Kubernetes cluster or not? And then what happens? What do they have their own limits to sort of manage? Or are you configuring that for them and stuff as well? Like there's a level of self-service. And then when it comes to like past their workload, so they've got an app, let's say, and that app needs... I don't know, some sort of cloud resource, a database or some storage or whatever else. How do they get that? Yeah. How are they going to get access to either the people that have the skills to give them the, those things or a well-defined thing that they can just configure in a way that they have the knowledge of to do to just get the outcome? So how do they do it, John? I'm still waiting for you to answer my question. <laughs> What's your question? <laughs> How do you take the technologies in the industry and make them self-service for the things you just mentioned? So it's How like, do you make them yeah, self-service? So you've already given some yeah. examples. So it's like, obviously, Kubernetes is a certain point, but you've just said that's not really true self-service. So, no. So like, what are the technologies that you would use, I guess? Like, what are the self-service technologies that exist in the industry mm. that you could take? That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. there's a paradigm that's going around self-service which mm -hmm. is obviously a good thing nothing like it's obviously effective to have productive people getting things they need yeah so how would you look at like one what technology would you want to standardize on well maybe the industry is standardized a little bit on some of this technology right because i don't think you would find a single devops or platform engineer cv that doesn't say terraform on it <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> don't hire John as a platform engineer. Well, weird. It was quite strange. I can't remember where it was, but there was some market research. Oh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was not. It was quite low on that. What? No I know. I, I know. I, so, I mean, I'll get a bit dubious sometimes with with the research, but have they cloud formation like... was way higher than Terraform was, which it's I found really surprising. Bamboozling. Wow. I even think Ansible was higher. So I don't know how they've obviously got... I mean, I'll find out where that was. It could have been in the Flexera Maybe report it, or something. So there was know, definitely something in some report I was looking at. I'll find out because it's not very useful. But yeah. I was shocked because I assumed it was, like, going to be huge. Okay, so um, let me change that. YAML or, you know, HCL or whatever it is, right? So there's a... It, you're going to use a language to define the thing, to define the configuration of a state that you want in cloud or yeah. private cloud or whatever it is. So one, that would be the you know basis of how you consume something. Not self-service, that's just how to, how to define the thing that you're going to consume. But would you pick a certain tech? Because obviously just saying this configuration, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd so yeah, probably pick Terraform because one, it has like, you know, you'd find the skills in the market really easily. Yeah. It's extensible. It has great support overall. Sure, you know, it, the portability isn't great because obviously you have providers that you use in Terraform and, yeah, yeah. you know, the AWS provider isn't the same as the Google provider That's or whatever. because the clouds aren't the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? So, but the skills that you learn using Terraform means that it's hopefully not too 
difficult to port. Well, I mean, it's going to be difficult to port, but it's not as difficult to port, say, if yeah. you were using like CloudFormation versus ARM templates or whatever else. Yeah. So, yes, I'd pick Terraform. Then I would try and figure out what my company's policies are, security policies, like how am I going to use Terraform? How am I going to let other people know how to use Terraform properly? How am I going to centralize the patterns that I've created in Terraform, like modules? Is it just in Git? Am I publishing them somewhere? Like, what am I what am I using for that? Do you have any opinions or answers <laughs> in this space? Stay, no, cool, stay quiet. No, listen, no, I, think, I think you're right. I mean, it's good. I, I probably agree most people I've seen on, on the CV, irrespective of this report, most people's CVs I've seen tend to have Terraform on them, not. Is it because a job application says only Terraform yeah. need apply? <laughs> but it's, I just found that a bit bewildering, so yeah. I just thought I'd say it because I remember like being really bamboozled by that stat anyway myself. Not doesn't really make sense to the market that I've seen. Mm. But then Terraform takes a certain skill level, obviously, so people can learn it. But it's changing these new APIs and new cloud services. So you kind of have to learn the DSL framework of Terraform, even though there's loads of modules out there that you can reuse. Yeah. You still need to know how to. I don't know if it's good though, right? That's the thing with these modules. Like, how are you going to know if it's a good module? Like, yeah, you can't tell the quality of the module. Yeah, Um, exactly. But then there is linting and the checker. So I guess all those things, like standardizing on those, I think makes sense. Yeah, and tests the lint and the checkoffs of the world, putting those in CI pipeline and enforcing them. But even like frameworks like TerraTest or whatever that you can use on the actual thing. That's on the actual thing. Yeah. But then also, though, the modules, I think you have to work out how much, if you think about self-service, you need to work out how much somebody knows about Mm. that service first, because you have to think, right, there's a developer, they might not going to know the 36 parameters of the configuration of that Terraform module, right? So maybe most of these aren't particularly relevant. So I need to work out what is relevant to them in the business and what isn't. And so if I only want to give very few choices to people in relation to those that service, so it could be just if it's a database, you choose the type of database, but then from that point it could be just a database name and that's it. Or yeah. maybe it's database name and region, right? So it's like how yeah. much is configurable from them and how much do we want to standardize on? I think that's really where the value is, right? Because it's super easy to just give someone access to do something yeah <laughs> but it's hard to make it easy to consume right yeah so so like even i don't know say something really mundane taxis right anyone could just like put their hand up and get a black cab if you're in london or whatever but it, obviously uber had a or any of these taxi companies they had they did quite a lot of good engineering to make it accessible and easy for you to press a button and for the okay, taxi yeah. to come to where you are, right? That, yeah. that took a lot of engineering feet. And just in the same way, like being able to just type in the, say, name of the database that you're gonna, gonna want or say the instance type or the storage amount instead of having to configure whether it's gonna be encrypted at rest, in transit, all, all of the other things that you would have to do like with skills to kind of simplify like it takes time experience effort yeah. to do all of those things so yeah i'd have something to do that do you know of anything that does that yeah i think there's like there's open source things that do it there's terraform providers and kubernetes that people have created mm-hmm. different companies have done it 
to a point. Yeah, Terranetis, that's one. TF operators and yeah. Yeah, there's different yeah. Terraform operators. I think it's the Terraform operator by HashiCorp. Yeah. But I think that works with their, I think it's Cloud, coupled yeah. to their SaaS offering. Mm -hmm. But I guess there are technologies in that space yeah. where people have looked at it more from a Kubernetes perspective of like, how do I back into Kubernetes to operate? Well, because that, that's where, presumably, that's where their apps are. Exactly, and yeah. That's, that's where... What, and what the developers are already maybe doing exactly. or deploying in a place already. So it's standardised an, ex an experience based on what they already like a common know and interface. have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like there's already a common all... interface, which is Kubernetes. Yeah. They've already learned that. Yeah. Rather than me then going off and saying, go and learn Terraform as well. Mm. You're like, actually, can I bring Terraform to Kubernetes? Because then... Terraform experience... No, accumulated experience to Terraform. Because yeah. then you also, if, you, if you're doing it without Kubernetes, then you also have to have like something to run the Terraform and that's CI. So you're moving all of the, you're then changing the experience for the developer to get in something. Well, it's just you're instantiating something from different places. So, so like you might get your database via CI, but then you'll get your you know, compute and networking or whatever via, I don't know, GitOps or one away from CI. Or a ticket. Yeah, or a ticket. Or or all tickets. It's just, Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Probably all tickets, yeah. to be fair, in most cases. Nice, nice uh, self-service, John. Yeah, um, yeah. That was I'm saying without it, it would be mostly tickets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you want an environment and their application and their components all to be managed in the same way because that's the that's the artifact. Yeah. That's the artifact that that developer ships, right? It's the whole application together, all the services that, that make up their application. Yeah. And for that to be defined as in different ways, as separate things, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think there was a blog as well, so I'm just referencing loads of other people, a blog of Spotify, and they had, oh, what was the metric? Basically, it was the number of tools that the developer had to interface with. And... There was a net element, there was a metric associated with that. I don't think it was like high is bad. High would be bad, yeah. But I don't think it was like cognitive load necessarily. <laughs> that. There was some really some specific metric, but I can't remember the the terminology of it. But if there was obviously a lot of tools that they kept having to use, oh, context switching. Right. So they classify context switching uh, as the amount of tools you have to interface with. Yeah. And if you and that's how they measured it. So it's like if you keep switching to tool to tool to tool. That means you've context switched away from one thing into another to go and get an outcome mm. and then back to maybe another tool and then go and get a different outcome. So that obviously for them is like quite un, like suboptimal. Yeah. I guess that's what really we're talking about. Here. If you standardized on a common interface, which is Kubernetes, then there is only one tool. Yeah, yeah. And you're not switching context like repeatedly all over the place to try and work it's, out. It's funny that because... There's obviously nuances to that, right? Let, let's say you've got a tool and you've, say, bought in another tool or you've integrated another tool. Depending on the quality of that integration, you could be context switching again, right? So let's say, I don't know, bad example, but because these are good products, but um, let's say like GitHub, it now has, you know, CI and also has like security integration and things like that. If they were badly integrated, um, then maybe it has like a different different front end or something like that. So it looks like and feels like different tools. The experience isn't consistent. It's a hard kind of learning curve to understand how the tool, the new tool has been melded together. In. But if it's a 
good experience you know it's consistent you can click through it in the same way the developer doesn't have to learn a whole new paradigm because you've just ex exposed more information then the experience is good and the context switching is less yeah yeah because that that happens a lot in this industry well, i suppose you would have then switched context to a point i think it's just the degree the, i guess then you're saying it's the degree of complexity of the thing you've switched to which is then taking more time and energy because the quality of that was bad so if you actually can't get an outcome quick even after you've context switched there's obviously context switching itself and there's a time investment on whatever you've had to switch to to get the outcome so all of it together is the uh, no, that wasn't. They just had a number of tools. Oh, okay. I'm just saying, though. But actually, if you to be a bit more granular, you could, like what you're saying, is like you could have a bad tool yeah, or yeah. a bad implementation of that tool. And so it's not just the number of tools. Mm. I guess it's the quality of the tool and how well it drives the outcome on top of how many of them there are. Yeah. But it's just hard to measure, I suppose, unless you have to get all like the data metrics. But I suppose for self-service, though, if you are standardizing Kubernetes, which is what you're suggesting, then there's now one tool. Then I guess you got the quality there's a, of what it is. There was a quote somewhere um, that said, like, Kubernetes is now, like, the default operating system for all of compute and networking and everything across, like, the whole world, right? And that's so, like, something like Kubernetes and Orchestrator, Scheduler, whatever. It's so true. Like, mm. cloud providers themselves run, run this. That's yeah, where it's come it, from. Yeah. So in some aspect you're running something that looks like this and the closer you are to to it the more value that you're going to be able to drive from it potentially but abstracting away enough of the of the things that don't offer any value yeah so i think that's what you've got to understand your customer isn't it at the end yeah. of the day and i think that's the point of like, if you're talking about self-service for developers the technologies aren't designed for those people it's just a fact they were designed for specialists who understood cloud mm. and it didn't have an opinion specifically it can't have an opinion it has to because the business needs to define what it is in relation to the cloud and the cloud doesn't have an opinion either because yeah. like, we don't know what you need we've got loads of customers exactly here's so all the configuration customers. of all of the yeah. different things you can do yeah so somebody has to go and decide what the right level of configuration for those things is and then on top of that what the input is from somebody else at the minimal amount of effort that they have to put in to get the outcome. And they, they because it's configuration, they change their opinion, right? Yeah. So recently, yeah. for example, when you created an S3 bucket, well, previously, when you created an S3 bucket, it was publicly accessible. Like that was the default. And fairly recently, they changed it. So the default is now, it's privately accessible. Yeah. No one gets access, right? It's a massively impactful change for something so small. But... Like, Which is, it's in some, yeah, I guess the design of it back then was to like public, host websites or, or exactly, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, it was more exactly. public cloud with a public S3 bucket. Yes. Because it kind of began with S3. That's how it works, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the first service. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of makes sense. But yeah, God, that's taken so long to make exactly. to change that. Default. Exactly. What, 15 years? 15 years and eight bazillion pounds of people getting compromised. <laughs> yeah, and we're exactly. like, do you know what? Maybe we this default. Maybe we got it maybe wrong. Maybe default yeah, private. Exactly. Like a default denial <laughs> yeah. on traffic. Yeah. It's like maybe right. any, any, and anyone oh, yeah, can exactly. take traffic to it's not a good, <laughs> no, it's like the million time. Self-service. Yeah. Self-service. The million time being hacked now. Like, I really think we should change the default. <laughs> no, we're sticking yeah. by public cloud. Yeah, it's public cloud. Yeah, wow. So, and, um, but yeah. The I guess you're saying you choose Kubernetes, the old Terraforms, bit of the hashies, and then 
Chekhov and Linting and Terra sets and all these other things. Terra sets, yeah. Terra sets, sorry. Yeah. Terra sets. I'm thinking of stack sets for some oh, reason. Yeah. Terra sets, yeah. What else? Obviously, an operator to put it into Kubernetes. Oh, look for one. You yeah. look for one, yeah. There's loads that exist. And then something to make it kind of declarative. So probably use, say, you know, Flux or Argo or something like that to wrap it all so that I can get a consistent outcome in every environment that I'm in. You can get a consistent outcome. The developer. All oh, right. I'm designing it, right? Oh, for yourself. For the developer, you oh. ask me, what would you put into a oh, just because you said you'd use Flux so you yeah. get a consistent outcome. But as in yeah. like you as in the developer you or you as in what you're providing. So is a developer using Flux or you just mean that you're going to use Flux? I would use Flux for probably the platform level and then depending on the skill set of the organization they would you know would figure out what makes sense but how am i self-serving so now i've got so there's a bit of cute because you you already use git the developer already knows how to use git right presumably because that's their every day they're checking so there's like an out. app in git that i go to to then be like so yeah i know how to use git and i can do yeah. git commits but yeah. that's got nothing to do my, I can't do like git show cloud resources or something, right? <laughs> so just because I can commit code, yeah. why would I suddenly know about the cloud services? You don't need git? to. You don't need to. Why do you need to know? Like, How do I get them then So from Git? You uh, go through some level of building a pipeline and deploying code. So you've built a container, you've now published that container, and then maybe in a separate repository, you have like environment configuration where you ask for that application to be deployed somewhere as well as all other dependencies that you need. And your interface is still Git. That's what I'm saying about the dependencies I need. One of them is yeah. the cloud resource. Yeah. So yeah, so you're I using Terraform, it. Terraform and Terraform operator. We already talked about that. Yeah, I'm just saying though how a developer who's just in Git certainly yeah. can now understand that there's a terraform operator oh right so how, how does a person in an organization know to use these services like yeah wherever like where i publish to like you've given me some like you've said there's an operator which mm. i don't know anything about because i'm a developer yeah, yeah, yeah. um how I, do i suddenly know how to consume this like, operator some documentation or searching something maybe like example a module library or you know some sort of catalog that exists some somewhere that you consume and how do i know what to put in this spec because uh, it has documents documentation to say what you need like optional optional variables and you know things that are already defined for you or not optional or whatever so it'll be like There'll be a bunch of things in here that I might not really fully understand, but then I'd But hopefully you understand all of the things that you are given an option to change. Right, okay. So right. there'll be like a spec. Or, or or like a really good description, obviously, that helps you understand. Because you're not you're not gonna get it all right away, right? Yeah. Like what what is an instance type? How do how do I know which instance type is right yeah, for me? Yeah, exactly. But it's probably important because you're gonna have developers that are a little bit more used to using cloud services and maybe used to the terminology or whatever because their experience is different of course and then people that just aren't so you have to to do self-service well you have to give a common way of each person with their experience being able to get a consistent thing right okay a common way 
for each experience to get a consistent thing. So, but then if the experience is different, which is what you've just said, so like how you, do you get a common way with inconsistent experiences? Because it's like, so like for example, you don't isn't high, yeah. but I'm consuming something that's so you else. simplify but let's say you don't want to so kubernetes as an example right yeah. let's say let's say you put a wrapper over kubernetes yeah um and you abstracted even kubernetes away from kubernetes no away from the developers so that yeah. they had like i don't know a, something to just go into and throw it throw an image out or whatever and then that was always like cloud run yeah exactly like, cloud. like that yeah and then something bad happens and you've now like the developers that know how to potentially or could investigate and trying to debug and all that kind of stuff, it makes it harder for them to debug just because you've made it easier for someone else to get the first outcome. The first outcome being deployed my thing. But to make the whole cloud experience self-service, it's deploy, manage, run, you know, yeah, yeah, observe, yeah. all all of the things. So, so you're not gotta, just... you can't just facilitate just getting something. Developing, yeah. You can't just facilitate you've deploying You've got to manage once. that thing you've got. Exactly. There's a life cycle of it. And it's got a life cycle and you've, you've got to do it in a way that doesn't like abstract away the value or the experience that people might have. Yeah. So you would choose Kubernetes and give them a way to look at this, the operator specs to say... Here's a bunch of operator specs. Not the operator. Here's but with a spec of, this, of the yeah. custom resource. It, here's a way to use these custom resources to get, yeah. you know, an RDS or an S3. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so they'd have to learn those custom resource definitions yeah. in some ways. Not really learn them. They're just documented and it's just learning living documentation. Yeah. You, you know, maybe what there's when a... the Terraform operator keeps changing, just it's like keep updating the docs. Maybe it's self-documenting. Yeah, maybe it just, you know, it's Kubernetes, right? You and can... would you provide just one type for everyone or would you have different types of database configurations for different scenarios? So uh, like a big database would... or like an Aurora database or a Postgres database and then different flavors of each one. Good question. I guess that's different versions. to a certain degree down to the operator because it has it, right? And versions like of that? Because um, obviously the versions would be versions of the... But that would just be like configuration, I guess. So you would just be able to state the version that you want, making sure that that version is supported and you only get the supported yeah, versions. Yeah. And then you obviously need a way to upgrade versions and manage the life cycle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sounds like I've solved it. This is a great... Yeah, it sounds really easy. So you'd just yeah. be a magic operator. Magic. That's self-documenting. Yeah, that che checks against security policy. Checks security Maybe like policies. tells you the cost of the thing that you're about to run because you you're offloading you know there's this whole shift left security movement but people don't really talk about shift left in terms of cost yeah and um, being able to like make developers at least responsible or you know make aware. it visible yeah, aware yeah. of the decisions that they're making and cost is like a yeah, real, definitely, yeah. really good example of that like infra costs yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. So an API for that. The Infracrost yeah. is is an API that you can use with Terraform. So using something that wraps all of that. Cool. So Kubernetes, an operator around Terraform, standardized configuration of Terraform around those modules or around the operator of those modules, however it's going to work. Yeah. Documenting them, 
versioning in line with them. Sounds like a lot of work. And life cycle yeah. management yeah. of them and security testing. Don't write your own operator, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and security of them. So yeah. you'd be like, you'd, and then also awareness, like visibility of those things. Yeah. And then all of that would happen somehow inside of the account, the cloud account. What about the IAM permissions and all the identity management, pod identity management and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, I guess, some, you know, you need some some way of managing the things that get created and whether that is like, depending on your kind of security profile, flat, which is not good, yeah. <laughs> not, not recommended or specific to just the workload that needs to access. So you have to make sure there's permissions for each thing that you're doing. Mm. The operator had the permissions to go and do those things to provision it. Yeah inside that account exactly which is, which is complicated yeah yeah but there are solutions out there that yeah. take care of which is already a thing anyway yeah exactly because terraform basically is godlike isn't it in most organizations because it literally can yeah. create all of the things and all the i am mm. all the things in all the accounts yeah centrally exactly. usually most of the time Crazy. but we that's fine <laughs> That's okay. Least what isn't good is not that that terraform me yeah, exactly. Gets access. Yeah. <laughs> like, huh? I'm really confused. But doesn't that have yeah. like loads of access? Least privilege doesn't apply to terraform in CI. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If it's in CI, doesn't apply. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. CI never gets hacked. CI never gets hacked. All right. So that's really good. So basically, you take certain technology stacks. Yeah. Blend them in for consistency. Make some decisions on like how people are already working try and standardize on that way of working and then take technologies and extend those technologies around other technologies well, make, that are more industry aligned to then it. be like, actually, let's now create a pattern around all of this where it becomes more self-service. And you're not just doing this for the sake of doing it, although it sounds really fun to do. <laughs> um, you're, you're obviously doing this so that developers can deliver software quickly and yeah. consistently in a secure way. Cool so that they can actually focus on delivering business value. All right, well, there you go. Done. Solved. That's it. Solved problem. <laughs> yeah, obviously, reach out to us. If you've got any questions, hello at cloudunplugged.io and then Cloud Unplugged on Twitter, which you'll be able to find us and on the LinkedIn. other platforms, LinkedIn. Cool. Speak to you soon. Thanks all. Bye.